RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me, as usual, is Brian. Hey, Dusty. How are you today? <laughs> Brian, I am killing it. It's awesome to spend a day in RFC Studios, you know, recording these with you and, and letting you listen to the campaign that you missed out on. Is there any, I guess FOMO is the wrong phrase. Like, FOMO is the right, exactly the right phrase. Is it the right phrase? Yeah, it is. Are you annoyed listening to these episodes? Uh, so, spoilers, we're recording two of uh, these back-to-back. Uh, not so much with the one that we're about to listen to, but the next one, absolutely there is FOMO. Oh, uh, well, both episodes that we're about to record, the intros and outros for, um, both episodes that we're about to record were from one session. So the, the the big thing about this episode, episode six, is that we are finally into the second session of our five-session mini-campaign. So this is, you know, episode six, physical session two. Let's go ahead and give her a listen. Okay, so we're resuming our Vampire the Masquerade 1997 Quick Start or Introductory Kit campaign. Would one of you like to recap what happened last time? Yeah. Eduardo Eduardo went ahead and ate himself a vampire, fledgling, and gained superpowers that I do not have. This is true. So let's start off with some improv, and then I'm going to ask a couple questions. As you further your friendship with Jack, Jack informs you that you can't keep staying in your apartments. Those people, those identities are dead, and you have to abandon that if you want to keep surviving as a vampire. You can't keep living your old life. You certainly can't show up to work because of your, remember, terror Mm -hmm. of the sun. So how have your lives changed? Where do you think you might be living? What resources do you have available? Well, I would think the first thing is I would have to, when assuming a new identity, have to do the whole identity cards, like loyalty rewards at different places. And <laughs> That's all, your first priority? All of that stuff. you got to get that down. Your Costco membership. Yeah, you got to get that stuff down. I would imagine having to get an ID is one of the first things. Good point. Jack facilitates that. Jack is an anarch. He's not part of the Camarilla, but he has sort of an uneasy alliance with the Camarilla. The Camarilla regard... The Anarchs is wayward children that hopefully will come back to the fold. So Jack is able to work within the Camarilla. They've actually got a ghoul who works the DMV, and they have a couple of ghouls placed throughout city and local government to facilitate getting you, you know, ID cards and all of that. Nice. So you were able to come up with that. However, you now owe Jack 400 bucks. This wiped out your funds. I was going to say, I had... I think from the last, I only had a couple hundred dollars left in pocket, let alone whatever was in the bank account. So you're spending more time with Jack. You also start to realize a couple of things. And maybe Jack points them out. Maybe they crystallize for you. The first thing you realize is you have a beautiful fiction going on here where you're no longer your old identities. You're now these new neonates who are supposedly from out of town, even though you were really born here, who are supposedly from out of town, and you're now moving amongst vampire society. 
and getting to know everyone and everything. But there's someone out there that knows better. The person who <laughs> turned to you, your sire, is still out there and could show up and, and fracture that beautiful fiction that you've created. What's the name of the main guy again? The prince. The prince. That's it. The prince's name is Aaron. Remember, you saw him speaking with that. Oh yeah. Vampire that looked like a zombie, and she had no lower jaw, just Becca a tongue. Or like that. Tirza. Tirza. You learn that her official position is sheriff. She is the prince's right hand. She enforces his will. You learn that she is from a clan called the Nosferatu, and she is of some age and repute. She's not someone that you want to mess with. And the other one, the Bruja leader? The Bruja leader that you met, that bears you no ill will for taking out that fledgling, is Candace. Do you have any questions about the other clans? We never really got into the whole clans thing, and I know, Chris, you have no exposure to Vampire the Masquerade whatsoever. So, um... When we talk about the clans, like, do they have different origins, or how, how really did we get to the point where there are different clans? That's some vampire mythology. So you come to find out and ask it around. And remember, you got to be careful how you ask around. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you, you don't, don't want to portray me. that you're a total fledgling. So I am going to ask you for a social role. Okay. Uh, I have a one on my social, so this is going to... It's always a DC four. When I don't ask for DC, it's four. All right. I missed terribly. It's okay. You have aroused some suspicions. So I'm going to put a mark on that track for the campaign. You have aroused some suspicions amongst the Camarilla as you ask around. And you you ask ask about the origin of the vampire. You're trying to do it smoothly. Unbeknownst Mm -hmm. to you, you you fail miserably, and they're like, why doesn't he know this? They share with you that according to their mythology, Cain, like Cain and Abel Cain, Mm -hmm. is the common progenitor for all... For all vampires. Cain murdered his brother, was cursed to walk the earth forever. Lilith granted him all these powers. But then, as an archangel appeared to him and asked him to return to God, and he refused, every day he refused, he picked up another curse. Like sunlight. That kind of stuff. So Cain had all these powers and all these curses. Cain, according to legend, turned a bunch of vampires. These were the second generation. These were the antediluvians. You learn that blood gets thinner every generation about the 13th or 14th generation um vampires become thin bloods this is what jack thought you were at first thin bloods don't really have any powers they have very minimal Uh, access to powers so we were actually bitten by somebody who was well up on the edge not or at least not far down not that far down top 10 yeah you were not bit by someone who was you know 13th or 14th generation right because you were, you did turn into a caitiff. You didn't have any obvious clan yeah. displayed in, in your abilities, weaknesses, strengths. You had no obvious clan, and that happens. The clanless do occur, but you just happen not to show any symptoms. And, and you are regarded as strange. The reason that social role didn't result in an immediate blood hunt or anything is you're caitiff. You are a little strange. People are like, well, he's caitiff. They're suspicious, but you're caitiff. You're a little weird. You don't fit into one of the 13 clans. To get back to the story of why there are clans, um, when Cain turned that next generation and then they turned more, eventually there were these 13 progenitors that were left, these 13 vampires, and their lineages became the clans. Okay. Cain's still around. Yeah, the video game Vampire Bloodlines sort of goes into that. Uh, the real answer, if you were to look it up on Wikipedia or, or on 
Wikia and stuff about the actual game? The real answer is no one knows. It's kind of played as a legend. Um, even to the point, I will go ahead and tell you, there is a supplement called Gehenna, the Final Nights, where they, they finally say, okay, here's the end of the story, here's what happens to end the world. And they didn't commit to one answer. They gave four different answers for four different scenarios that you can run in your game. Uh, so, is Kane out there? Yeah. Don't know. Are any of the Antediluvians, the pre-flood, you know, his second generation out there? Who knows? Other questions? Have we noticed any changes in ourselves? He has. He's noticed his new weaknesses and his new strengths. Yep. So as you've fed, mm-hmm. you've noticed that you have a much harder time stopping now. Thanks to your new, what's it called? Blood, Blood frenzy? frenzy? Yes. Thanks to Blood Frenzy. you have He has to roll a success to stop feeding or to mm-hmm. uh, spare an enemy, right? Sure. He also notices he's gotten more powerful. Have you told anyone, I'm looking at you now, Eduardo, have you told anyone what you did to that Bruja? Didn't really feel like it was necessary to share. Okay. Have you been hanging around any of the Camarilla? Have you mostly been hanging around the Anarchs? The Anarchs are in that bar with Jack. The Camarilla are sort of downtown. They're sort of vampire society. We'll say uh, the Anarchs. All right. I'm going to have you make me just a pure... You know what? We're going to make this a psychic roll. I'm going to use that for luck. Make me a DC4 psychic roll. Oh, boy. Ha! Sweet. Okay, Eduardo, one other change that you notice is that since you've now fed on vampire blood, human blood is almost like weak tea in comparison. Mm. Now that you've tasted a vampire, that's where the real business is. Mm. And you, 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 you find yourself thinking about that quite a bit. But remember, there are these six traditions that you have to follow. Did I cover all six traditions with you guys last time? Not ringing a bell. So let me cover the six traditions with you real quick. The first tradition is the masquerade. You have to make sure humans don't find out about vampires. No flaunting your abilities, none of that. Because the humans outnumber you, and the Camarilla very strongly believe that the humans could wipe them out if they so chose. The second tradition is the domain. The domain is, is basically whatever space you carve out for yourself is your domain. Others in it have to respect you. You're not high enough up to really have any domain, but you're living in the prince's domain. The third tradition is progeny. This is the tradition that your existence breaks. Um, Basically, you can only sire another vampire with permission from the prince. And if a vampire is sired without permission, both the fledgling and the sire are put to death. That's why Jack was like, oh no, you have to trick the prince. And now we owe Jack bedtime, and he's probably going to call on that. But, yeah. Yeah. The fourth tradition is the accounting. The fourth tradition is basically when you create children vampires, you are responsible for them until they you know, become neonates. The fifth tradition is hospitality. This is why you appeared before the prince. When you show up in a new vampire's area, or you show up in a new area, you're supposed to present yourself to the prince, you know, without delay, and inform him or her that you're in their area. And the sixth tradition is destruction. You are forbidden to kill other kindred, and only the elders, the primogen, the prince, can call for a blood hunt. 
And I, I share all those traditions with you, Eduardo, to say, you now have this taste for vampire blood. And you have a commandment against killing other vampires. We've already broken one. Oh, you've already broken one commandment? We've already broken one commandment, right, with progeny. True. So we've already broken one tradition. That yeah, worked out fine last time. Though we don't know what your blood frenzy will do yet. Does it only work if you drink them whole, like all the way, or... Zep, you asked that question of Eduardo. Yeah. And Eduardo, I would like you to make a mental roll. Nice. Three successes. You recognize that the vampire blood was really good and powerful and, and revitalizing you, but the moment you felt this like surge and it just got stronger, that moment was the moment when you drained them dry. Mm. Mm. That covers sort of what you guys have been doing since then. Cool. You show up at Jack's. You show up at the sanctuary, that bar where Jack hangs out. What's okay. your... I've got a question for Jack before we get started. Please. Who left this post-it notes at our places? Let me see them. And you show him the post-it notes. And he's like, I don't I don't think I rec and he, he's he's really frowning at the handwriting. He's like, this could no. I, I I don't know. Let me look into this. Should do you should we wait for you to check it out? It's gonna take a while. Jack's more or less telling you, I'm positive it's not what I'm thinking, but let me just rule it out. It's going to take a while. Mm. I need to reach out. Well then. So hanging out at the sanctuary, you guys come to find out. Us hanging out at like a biker bar. It just It's what we have to do. You're kind of the shit but, now. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a yeah. bunch of humans there. You know, some of, oh, them, some of them are willing to be bitten. Some of them sure. know yeah. sort of something. I don't really want any ghouls right now. Kind of well, opening you, a blade. Ghoul is only if you feed them your blood. If you feed them. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry, what? So kind of like the opening of Blade or Blade 2, I guess. Oh, yeah. Sort of, yeah. And some people are in the know, some people are not. It's confusing. But a lot of humans who are posers sort of have the impression that the sanctuary is a cool, edgy place to hang out. Posers, I haven't heard that So there are some of them. Yeah, I'm trying to use 90s terms to go along with our 90s game. Yeah, that's, that's not lame at all. But more what you find out, if you're catching up on keeping up all the vampire logic, is Jack informs you that, hey, watch your asses out there. There are some sabbat. In town. So Sabat is here, and who is Sabat? Yes, who is Sabat? Jack informed you that the Sabat are another entire faction from the Camarilla. Of the 13 clans, seven have joined the Camarilla and have the society uh-huh. and obey these traditions. There are some other factions. The other big faction are the Sabat. There's two main clans in the Sabat. The La Sombra and the Smitsi. The La Sombra are the ones that he shares with you are in town here. And the Sabat have an entirely different belief system than the Camarilla. The Sabat see humans as complete lesser. And the Sabat don't believe in the masquerade. So they just come in and wreck stuff. They want to rule humans openly. Do they have anybody in politics who's trying to make that happen? That's above your and Jack's pay grade. Got it. But you're talking about vampires that are thousands of years old, so who knows what irons they have in the fire. Uh, so what do we care? What do they care about us? Well, the Sabbat have no tradition of destruction, meaning the Sabbat will kill you. Does the destruction thing extend to them? 
If they threaten you, you're allowed to kill Sabat. What other traditions don't they honor? They don't honor any um, of the traditions. Ah, okay. Traditions are a Camarilla thing. Uh, Even the Anarchs sort of only honor traditions insofar as it keeps relations calm with the Camarilla. But the Anarchs resent the, the Camarilla's rules and rulership. So, how bad do you want superpowers? What type of traditions do they have? Jack doesn't know much about the Sabbath. Got it. Let's go get us some superpowers. Well then. All right, so how do you ask Jack? Hey, Jack, so uh, when we're talking about these Sabbath guys, what type of uh, things do they like? Where do they usually go when they enter a new city? Well, these Sabbath. Yeah, what are they doing here? These Sabbat, they've been spotted hanging around a new a new business about an hour north of here. It's a fly-by-night business that they're operating out of a little city called Mooresville. What type of business? Something to do with racing. You boys fans of NASCAR? More Formula One, really. How very European of you. So he shared with you this business that they're hanging around in, in the little suburb of Mooresville. By the way, for those of you listening at home, we're sitting in Mooresville right now, and you missed it on audio, but Nathan rolled his eyes so hard when I mentioned the, the, the town of Mooresville. This is Mooresville when Mooresville was truly just race city, and the biggest industry here was all, were all the NASCAR teams. So at this point, guys, you can go ahead and carry out the plan that you're thinking. You can go ahead and attack the La Sombra just out of pure bloodlust, and I'm completely fine if that's what you want to do. Are you looking for any other direction from me? Do you have enough to go ahead and... I don't know that I want to attack them outright so much as find out what they're doing and then just go instigate. I would much rather that they attack us so that way we, when we're talking with the prince, you know, we can say that versus we attack them and all of a sudden we have to deal with an outside force that's come in and then all of a sudden you have a war or something like that. But your goal in going up there is to... Oh, hell yeah, instigate. You want to get superpowers. Mm-hmm. You're instigating for that reason. I, I want some, uh, quote-unquote... Disciplines. All right, fair enough. By being undisciplined and going up there. So you head up to Morseville, I assume. I'll yeah, say we, we go talk to Aaron, but no, let's yeah, let's just go. Let's just go. Yeah. We want. Uh, I like that idea. By all means. Okay. All right, you head downtown, yep. and you appear before Aaron. So, neonates, how are you finding my city? I love the NASCAR. Well, I confess, that's not something that I enjoy. Oh. It's a shame. Yeah. We heard the, uh, Sabat, I check my notes, are big fans of it, apparently. Yes, you've heard about that, have you? Yes. Yeah, just a little bit. You so have a question? What are you going to do about them, if anything? Well, I've, I've informed those above me. I'm not going to move openly. Against the Sabbat. Do you want them gone? If something happened that made them gone, I wouldn't mind that. So if a couple outer towners may have gone up there and give them reason to leave, that might be of a favorable situation to you? That would be very favorable. Yes. However, if outer towners went up there and started a war mm-hmm. between the Camarilla and the Sabbat, that would be extremely disconcerting. And we would certainly call a blood hunt on those foolish enough to instigate. So, that's true for the Camarilla. But what about Kadik? 
just because you're clamless, do you deny the guiding hand of the Camarilla? No, not at all. Has our hospitality not provided you with new identification? Your hospitality has provided everything that I have today. So For that, I am thankful. But outside of these walls, does anybody know that? I don't get what you're getting at. I'm just saying that if we go over there... And we Possible deniability. Do you guys really know? You guys can just claim that we're outsiders. Disavow us. We will disavow you. Yeah, absolutely. And then you. And we will call a blood hunt. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. But I hope that you realize that we would be able to avoid a war at all costs. No survivors is what you're saying. Clanless agents who have the abilities of vampires of full of full blood are interesting. And not something that we often see. In, in my many years, I've only seen a handful of caitiff that were not thin blood. So you do present an interesting degree of deniability, I admit. Very well. Do as you wilt, but know the consequences are on your heads. So this first session, at least for the, the first part of it, really seems like we're just getting more back into uh, the idea, like the mechanics of like what the universe, the, the life, the, the, the lore of, of, of the vampire lifestyle. It seems like we got really back into that. Yeah, lore. Lore is the perfect phrase for it. Lore, flavor text, really the, the history of this world. And you're seeing really two things at play here, Brian. The first is I wanted to remind the guys of what we'd covered in our first session with the traditions. The second was I wanted to introduce this notion of clans because the clans and the clan politics, which we barely touched on in session one, is the driver of a lot of the interesting politics of this world of darkness universe setting. So I love the idea of explaining that in the second session. I didn't want to bog down the first session with too much background. So giving them just enough background for session one, having session one, and then starting session two off with a little more background. Number one, it makes it easier for them as players. Number two, it makes it more realistic in terms of Chris and Nathan were both learning about the world of darkness from this game. Nathan had some exposure because of the video, the, the video game, but Chris had no exposure whatsoever. So for the players, like, like learning this as they go, their characters are standing in for them, learning it as they go, sort of learning on the job how to be vampires, so to speak. So, you know, listening to this, um, before we listened to, actually, literally before we listened, we started off, you asked me if I had like the fear of missing out. Um, I, uh, actually, now going back, FOMO is like one of like the, the big thing for me. Like if I find out that like I'm excluded from something, it like scares right to me. So, uh, listening to this though, um, there's more table talk than you had before, but at the same time, I'm kind of taking it as actually real, real RP RPing in 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 the game. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out one of your favorite qualities that you talk about when it comes to RPGs and storytelling. It's like the I, and I can never say the word. It's a word you love. Is the verisimilitude? Verisimilitude. So, um, when it when it comes to that, like, uh, was it Nathan who mentioned getting a Costco membership? 
like his character needed to get a Costco membership so he could get his stuff. There was no Costco here in the 1990s. <laughs> and I, you know, like I like if I were at the table at that point, you know, I would have mentioned something like, you know, hey, let's go to Roses, you know, or, you know, hey, I hear that, you know, a, a Walmart open nearby. Uh, I've always wanted to go to one of those. Let's let's check that out. Like so. Uh, but I didn't notice more more of that kind of table talk than than you, you've had. Yeah, I left in more table talk, honestly. I, I think editing an actual play podcast is sort of a fine line because if you edit it too far down, what you're left with is just story. And because none of us are professional actors, what you're left when you cut it down to just story, you're left with kind of a crappy radio drama. When you leave in some of the table talk, though, you really show, like, hey, here's what happens at an actual table. Here are the goofy jokes. It was actually Chris who was saying that, well, I need a new identity. I need new. And the first thing he said instead of driver's license was membership cards. And and I laughed. And I left that whole interaction in where that was his first instinct and me laughing about it. Uh, that was a conscious editing decision. When I got to that point in editing, Brian, I literally killed the computer and walked away to, to think about we're at a turning point here. Do I cut that out because it's extra and it's 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 fat on the story, you know, on the story's body, so to speak, or do I leave it in? And I ultimately, I left it in. Maybe it was the wrong decision. Yeah, I don't think it was. I'd love to hear from the audience on that, but I think the audience, when you listen to an actual play, I think you want to hear some of the table talk. And I listen to actual plays not for the drama. I listen to him to learn how to be a better GM, and part of learning to be a better GM is to see real situations with jokes that come up and, and laughter that comes up and how you can use it or redirect it. Like, how do you deal with that when you're actually playing? You know, for me, like, I'm all over the place. At, at some point, it, 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 as far as my career as a, a, a RPG player, you know, sometimes I'm really focused on tactics. Sometimes I'm really focused on the RPing. I think I, I think I have the most passion, though, when it comes around the RPing. And I really love getting little details like that. G going back and stepping back into the 1990s, uh, like you guys were doing here, um, it just, I think it creates a lot of neat opportunities to reference things that, uh, just things that I'm knowledgeable of. But uh, the next episode we're going to listen to is, it, there's way more of that than there is with this one. And uh, I can't wait to talk about that when we get to that episode. So next week, what Brian's alluding to is the guys head, uh, head north from Charlotte they show up in a little town called Mooresville, which happens to be exactly where we recorded that episode and where Brian and I both live. Yep. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Thank you for listening. See you next week. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.